नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू अनदर एडिशन ऑफ द भारत वार्ता वीकली आई एम रोशन कार्यपा एंड हैव विद मी नीरव खनोद्रा टू रन यू थ्रू द न्यूज एंड इवेंट्स ऑफ द वीक दैट वाज इट वाज अ प्रीटी बिजी वीक आई शुड से देयर वर कम्युनल क्लैशेस इन द न्यू डिस्ट्रिक्ट ऑफ हरियाणा आई विल ब्रिंग यू अपडेट्स फ्रॉम दैट आल्सो अपडेट्स फ्रॉम सुप्रीम कोर्ट ऑर्डर स्टेइंग राहुल गांधीज कन्विक्शन फ्रॉम द सूरत कोर्ट एंड ऑफ कोर्स द द ज्ञानवापी कोर्ट केस दैट इज हैपनिंग एज़ वेल असाइड फ्रॉम दैट येस्टरडे द गवर्नमेंट ऑल्सो डिसाइडेड टू रेस्ट the imports of laptops uh, all of this and more on this edition of the weekly uh, bharat vartha publishes uh, episodes on politics policy and culture if you're new to the podcast do follow and subscribe for more content like this uh, and if you're a returning visitor don't forget to rate or review us if you like our content we'll get on with the the week that was uh, over the past week riots erupted across new district of haryana Uh, the violence was triggered when a procession by Vishwa Hindu Parishad was attacked by mobs for communal reasons the violence later escalated when shops and religious places were vandalized and hundreds of vehicles were set on fire the clash has resulted in the death of around 8 people at the time of recording this uh, and of course there have been hundreds of arrests and fires and injuries curfew has been imposed and rapid action force and police have been deployed in large numbers in attempts to contain the situation So well Nirav we've uh, been following the violence in Manipur that's been happening since May and then now we have this uh, in Haryana as well what can the government do to sort of proactively take uh, measures to curb such uh, incidents yeah so okay so manipur is like a little bit different it's a bit of an ethnic clash which is very much like a local problem which probably the local chief minister that needs to uh, take care of i think in new there are probably like simmering tensions this is more of a religious conflict and uh, in nuis in haryana the outskirts of gurgaon or gurugram that it's called now uh, which is a little more uh, muslim dominated district and uh, some members of bajrang dal and uh, vishwa hindu parishad were taking a procession through it and that has caused in a secular country everybody should be allowed take through their own processions so i think it's more of a law and order situation that the local police has to be involved and uh, i think there are various theories or various reasons etc but this tells you that underlying there is like some sort of like a simmering unrest which comes out on the fourth i don't know whether it is motivated by whoever or outside etc there is some speculation that one of the person leading the uh, procession was a wanted criminal but i don't have details i can't comment either ways and uh, at least i want to put this like what my view is two wrongs don't make a right if there is somebody who is a wanted criminal who is uh, leading a procession information should be given to the police and he should be arrested and charged for the crimes that he did i think the violence which is going on burning of cars or va- vandalizing shops etc is quite bad and uh, there is no justifiable reason for it even if your religious sentiments are hurt i think if you want you can stop a procession legally for through whatever channels are there but i think this is the thing and uh, as i said like two wrongs don't make a right there is no right person no right side in this uh, whole violence and uh, it's quite a sad state of affairs uh, hopefully the local police and whoever is there they can uh, charge the criminals and with due law and order like due due process 
charge them as appropriate. Yeah. No, I think there are two aspects to this, right? So one is the local aspect in terms of troublemakers, in terms of goons and let's say people who don't deserve to be in society, right? Those folks have to be dealt with adequately, appropriately. Uh, and I think uh, whenever there's a breakdown in law and I think these kind of antisocial elements come into the mix, uh, there is always some kind of a, a fracas that can happen in these uh, processions and, uh, you know, so on and so forth, right? I mean, I've seen it locally as well. It, it just is simmering and one thing leads to another. That is one thing that has to be dealt at the local level from a law and order perspective. The other is in terms of communities themselves, right? Now, Nu is uh, perhaps evenly split between Hindus and Muslims. I think Muslims slightly uh, more than Hindus. There are about 50% and, you know, Hindus are at about 49%. And somewhere I think we need to do more in terms of bringing these communities together, right? Uh, obviously, our populations are going to grow and demographics are going to skew. These tensions of the past cannot cannot simmer in the background, right? Say, I mean, they will, they will definitely come up in the fore on these these kind of occasions right and so I think politicians have to be more responsible I feel people leaders have to assume more responsibility uh, and try to bring these communities together because really I mean this kind of stuff when we're talking about Amrit Kal and when we're talking about becoming a five trillion dollar economy the number third uh, economy in the world so on and so forth right I mean this kind of violence uh, is just a span in the works right I mean it doesn't befit a country that has as much growth aspirations as we do right Uh, I hope on both these counts uh, you know we are able to resolve the matter on Thursday, the central government uh, placed restrictions on the import of laptops, tablets and computers with immediate effect. The Ministry of Commerce said that uh, the imports would only be allowed against a valid license for restricted imports. Uh, the move is aimed at promoting domestic manufacturing and to boost the center's recently renewed production-linked incentive or PLI scheme for IT hardware. Coincidentally, Geo also announced the launch of their ultra-cheap laptops called GeoBook, which is priced at about 16500 and it's just launched on August 1st. Well, there's a lot of chatter on Twitter on whether this is a coincidence or whether this was, you know, strategically timed and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, if this is really augurs well with our whole digital India push and so on, right? But I feel like if you look at what's happened in smartphones, if you look at what's happened in electronic appliances and so on and so forth, uh, I think this is a move on a similar vein, right? I mean, in the sense that, hey, there's about $20 billion of imports on these laptops and other equipment. Uh, we should definitely be able to set up an ecosystem for this in the country, right? And that's not going to happen if you're going to have free and unrestricted imports, obviously, right? Now, people have uh, talked about a return to license Raj and, you know, all of that stuff. Well, I feel like the 90s were a different time. Uh, obviously, we were a, a, you know, closed economy. 90s, we liberalized, we got in plenty of, uh, you know, these uh, foreign companies uh, to, in, you know, with their goods and whatnot and so on and so forth. Uh, and all of us benefited a great deal from that, right? But at this point, I think we should stop looking at ourselves as a market for these goods and think about, you know, how we can manufacture some of these and build IP ourselves, right? If not IP, I mean, create jobs and capabilities at least. Uh, and that is really what the government has done in the past as well. Now, if you look at Tesla, for instance, classic example, you know, if you look at three years back, Elon has been, uh, you know, saying not so good things about the government on, you know, why uh, the import uh, tax is so high for these cars and so on, asking for concessions. Uh, the government did not budge. And then now you have a situation where, you know, you know Tesla is considering setting up a, a manufacturing base in India, right? Uh, and this is going to happen because of our size, uh, because of the... Uh, demographics of the country and because of the geopolitics, right? I mean, and we have to 
make some of these bold moves to capture some of the value that can come to india right and and so i mean on that front i really feel that uh, this is the right move right so what do you think nirov yeah, so see one thing is uh, also timing see if you want to set up an assembly factory uh, you need to have like about a year or two to be able to build that i think a lot of the pli schemes a lot of the electronics has gone on to like assembly of phones uh, that's a step one uh, i think laptops etc they should have been signaled out with like a cascading duties probably so you say that okay right now the import duty is such maybe increases over a period of time so everything india is not going to manufacture so i think yes. a ban is like a bit too no much. i don't think they've banned maybe you could have had I, I don't think they've banned right i think that that's and now they've rolled it back so now that's why they've rolled it back for three months a uh, second thing is what india gets this wrong a little bit negatively is the policy uncertainty that anybody has if some company has to hire employ a lot of people uh, to be fair right now these are not being assembled in india so maybe if somebody just sets up even a screwdriver technology maybe that generates a lot of employment but i think duties and that also like maybe lower duties right now but like cascading up over a time frame would give people enough time to adjust and like uh, do something accordingly so i think this is a hastily taken decision then rolled back uh, this is one of like i would say like criticisms of this is across parties of it's this a, government i would have it's a continuing malaise so yeah it's a it's a continuing it's a continuing yeah. malaise it's across parties we've had issues like retrospective taxation so what india is like it behaves see while india is growing up and we say oh it's the fifth biggest economy etc etc but then sometimes it just does behave like a small country with policy uncertainty right on these whims and fancies so yes i think this is something india has used industrial policy in the past with mixed success uh, we've done some good things where we built a domestic auto industry uh, cars and motorcycles that that is good we had a domestic pharma industry that is good and uh, a lot of things we've not done that well as well right uh, the list is too long so i i just rather focus on the successes hopefully what they get the policy mix correct and uh, we can produce at least assemble a lot of laptops still a lot of components come from all over the world uh, predominantly east asia so taiwan south korea and china japan hopefully i think we get the assembly first then you keep ma- going backwards to like manufacturing some components and more components and have like backward kind backward integration kind of a thing but i would say like a ban or like a very high duty suddenly is a little bit difficult see these are the things which lead to all those kind of smuggling and then people going making small trips to dubai just buying a lot of electronics and coming back and those kind of things what used to happen earlier with gold etc uh, what you want is a little more transparency and a little more ease of doing business also this will probably hurt any sort of free trade agreements that we do want to sign uh, hopefully better sense prevails but uh, this is i think across lot as like a lot of time people joke that uh, political parties in power keep changing but the bureaucrats who kind of give all these ideas remain the same no real criticism of anyone specific but 
I, I say that we could do with a little bit less of uh, these rule uncertainties. No, I think the way they communicate some of these policies could definitely be better, right? I mean, we discussed this uh, even during the whole uh, tax on gaming, for instance, that you allowed the industry to function a certain way and then you suddenly clamp down and then you go back and so on and so forth. So for sure, I think there needs to be better communication and someone in the government has to think about, you know, how, how can an industry prep for this, right? I mean, you can't uh, bring up these measures overnight and then roll it back on based on reaction and so on for for sure but i do believe that uh, this is something that could be positive for us right i mean oh yeah, yeah. so as i said if i focus on the wins we've got a domestic two-wheeler and car manufacturing industry we've got a great pharma industry vaccines we saw that we could produce it domestically all by ourselves i would say like consumer electronics are a little more complicated so we also have some sort of duties on other consumer electronics like washing machines and televisions and like all so that is why samsung lg etc they do have like big assembly plants in india but this is like you have certain components being made only in few countries in the whole world so we can't uh, make everything domestic and uh, i think like a slow cascading duties or something would have been better and i do want to i agree with the end goal that the end goal is yes we want to generate more manufacturing employment so that's absolutely there uh, I would rather use a carrot of like making the PLI schemes attractive rather than a stick. No, but they uh, have that as well, right? They've actually uh, set out budget for the PLI on this uh, specifically as well. And everything happens gradually. I mean, iPhones, for instance, 7% of iPhones are manufactured uh, in India at this point of time. That wasn't, I mean, it was due to PLI and it was due to all of these uh, policies, right? So, all right, uh, moving on. On August 4th, the Supreme Court of India stayed the conviction of Congress leader Rahul Gandhi in a criminal defamation case uh, for the Modi surname remark. Uh, the court stated that the trial court in Surat had not given reasons for awarding the maximum punishment of two years. Uh, the Supreme Court bench, however, noted that uh, Mr. Gandhi's remarks were to quote, no doubt in bad taste and he should have been more careful uh, while making the public speech. Well, Nirav, you have plenty of these uh, types of uh, cases happening, right? Where, uh, you know, Supreme Court tends to overrule the lower courts. And this at a time when, you know, the, maybe about 50 lakh cases are pending with the Supreme Court for a variety of reasons, right? So what do you make of this? See, if you go to the facts of the case, this case was, uh, the case which was filed in Surat was for defamation against the surname Modi. Because Rahul Gandhi mentioned, Sri Rahul Gandhi mentioned, all thieves are Modi. He was referring to Nirav Modi, the jeweler, no connection to me, or Prime Minister Modi. Uh, Lalit Modi, uh, who was uh, instrumental in like uh, kickstarting the IPL, and, uh, and Prime Minister Narendra Modi. And uh, he says, so he referred to all these people as thieves and says, is it that all, all thieves are Modi or all Modi's thieves? So, Purnesh Modi, the MLA from Surat, Surat filed a defamation case and the Surat court found guilty. So I think I don't think Rahul Gandhi has made a statement that this was a doctored video or anything of that sort, right? So I think this was made. The question is, does it deserve a two-year sentence? And now the th uh, third thing is that if you are convicted while in office for such a reason, does it uh, bar you from being an MP? So I think those are more legal cases. I don't have an idea. But what the Supreme Court has said is yes, case uh, point one that was made in bad taste uh, would like a written apology or a retraction of a statement or something of that sort uh, happen. I think that was offered and Rahul Gandhi said that he will not apologize. He said that he would not apologize. 
He said he's not Savarkar and he would not apologize. So I don't know. Maybe like this thing gets resolved. I agree that there are too many cases out there. So anyways, uh, speedy action has to be taken on these. Uh, so Rahul Gandhi can continue representing the parliament uh, for his constituency. Why not? So I don't think this is this changes much or this changes anything uh, within his standing within the party, etc. So continues to be a senior member of the Congress party. And even though he's not a party president or holds a post, but he's an elected member of parliament. So I think that continues. And uh, hopefully at least like see this is a lesson that uh, like these kind of like statements uh, do have repercussions. So statements do have repercussions, especially made by people in power. So or people in positions of power. So uh, yeah, uh, hopefully like all people do think before they speak and speak out more carefully. Uh, yeah, uh, as it is, I think it's this is was kind of expected. So there's not much people did expect him to appeal. Uh, what has happened is basically they just amplified his statement. Now whether it helps, who does it help? I have no idea. But it's like those kind of things. This was like a statement made in a speech where probably not many people even bothered. What this has done is they amplified the popularity of the statement to the whole. It's like the Streisand but, effect, basically. Yeah, Streisand effect. Streisand effect. And I don't know who it helps more, but uh, that's about yeah. it. Uh, I think we're going to have plenty of sound bites uh, leading up to the 2024 election. Well, uh, updates from another case, this time the Gyanwapi court case. After renewed interest and court cases on Gyanwapi mosque complex uh, this year, uh, Allahabad High Court had granted permission to ASI or Archaeological Society of India to survey the premises on May 12th of this year. A week later, the Supreme Court stayed this order. And since then, the case has seen considerable back and forth between various judiciary bodies regarding the survey. Finally, yesterday, the Supreme Court refused to stay the survey on the condition that uh, the ASI limits its survey to the shivling only. The court has also asked ASI to not resort to any invasive techniques during the survey so as to not cause any damage or destruction to the premises. Uh, well, we had interesting comments uh, from uh, Sri Yogi Adityanath uh, on a podcast uh, sometime last week, right, uh, where he was basically saying that um, Muslims should probably acknowledge the past uh, historical atrocities and mistakes and uh, make amends for that, uh, right, and that uh, it is beyond question for anyone who sees the Gyanwapi Mosque uh, what happened there, right, and who it belongs to. Nirav, I think, you know, there will be kind of a re-adjudication of uh, plenty of these temples indeed i mean 40 or 50000 of these uh, temples were destroyed uh, during that whole 800 year period it's going to be very complex right because obviously it's going to stoke some emotions uh, it's going to rake up issues uh, how do we handle this so yeah so i think that is a, a very very sensitive issue and uh, if you go through the history now depend on which version do you believe but like if you just look at pictures of the gyanwapi mosque you can google it and uh, you see that uh, three sides are what you would call as uh, plain or uh, austere as a lot of a lot of mosques are quite austere whereas the Hindu temples are more ornate and more designed, more decorated. These are two different styles and so one wall is that. So uh, maybe, maybe it was a temple or like a Hindu owned building and that is for ASI to find out. Also in the well there was an object which is a shivling, uh, which was to be found. So, and then there is, I think, another uh, decoration which was, which they say was probably a fountain. While this is going on, I think Archaeological Society of India has, should be allowed to make an investigation whether this was there or wasn't it. I have never been to the place, 
I've only seen images and seen things on the internet, so I can't comment on any authenticity. But uh, I think what the Supreme Court felt was oh, that it would disturb some sort of a communal harmony or some some sort of a thing which could be a law and order problem. And that's why they stayed it. Now they reversed it. But all they've mentioned is that uh, the structure should not be broken. And uh, then that needs to be seen. But I think, see, uh, there was a period during Mughal rule as per a lot of things on the internet. It was probably Aurangzeb. Who built, so Aurangzeb built the Gyanwapi mosque. Probably an older temple, which is a Shiva temple, if there's a shivling inside the well, uh, was demolished. So let the investigations go on and let the communities there within that see that what should be restored, how should it be restored, can there be like another uh, place given what kind of solution they've reached in uh, for the uh, Ayodhya Ramandir and Ayodhya versus the resettling of the Babri Masjid. But yes, I think uh, this is like a very sensitive topic. Uh, people, when they uh, talk about religion, uh, do lose objectivity and it's a very emotional issue. So I am probably the last person to comment on how this should be done. I've got no clue. But uh, hopefully people all take it all together into consideration. So unlike the Ayodhya issue, right? I mean, here it is even more obvious. So I have uh, been to the Kashi Vishwanath uh, Ji temple and uh, it is it is really obvious. Very, very obvious that there was a temple there and, uh, you know, it was modified slash destroyed to build the mosque, right? I mean, it's extremely obvious for anyone who visits the place. So, I mean, I really feel that uh, the resolution has to come from communities and, uh, you know, any kind of court orders uh, are always... Uh, you know, seen uh, as suspect, right? I mean, depending on who's in power and so on and so forth, right? Yes, I mean, the Ar- Archaeological Society of India will find, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that they will find evidence uh, affirming the uh, the common memory of the people there, for sure, right? Uh, because as I said, it's pretty obvious. But I do believe that there, this kind of resolution, again, it has to come from the people leaders of the place, right? Just so that you know, tensions are uh, are not stoked just so that emotions are not stoked and uh, we find a way to coexist because there's no way else, right? I mean, we have to live with each other, right? And we have to live with each other, you know, beyond uh, elections, beyond political parties and beyond whatever else, right? So, so yeah, let's uh, hope that uh, there's a speedy resolution on that front. Well, with that, uh, we come to the end of this Bharatvartha Weekly. This is the 150th Bharatvartha Weekly. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Thank you for supporting our work. And uh, again, if you like the content, don't forget to rate and review us uh, and like us on YouTube as well. Uh, Thank you all for your support. Uh, Until next time, from Neerav and myself, take care, stay safe and Jai Hind.